What do we need to know about the brave new world of resume reading bots, applicant tracking systems, online applications, and artificial intelligence? Let's talk all about it with nurse resume expert, my friend Amanda Guarnier of the Resume Rx, right here on episode 306 of the Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. In these days of the COVID-19 pandemic, you know I'm still bringing you my monthly COVID-19 updates at the end of each month. Meanwhile, I still want to continue to support you in your personal and professional development, your nursing and healthcare career, and talk about the healthcare system as a whole. So I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride, whether you're new to the show or you've been with me on this journey for months or years. Here we are, gosh, way over episode 300 now. And I thank you for being part of the Nurse Keith Nation. And remember that Nurse Keith Coaching is a place you can come as a destination for help with your career. Mention the show and you can get 10% off your first coaching package. So just shoot me an email at keith at nursekeith.com to schedule a chat. The show notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 306. And today we're joined by a very good friend of the pod, Amanda Guarnier, my friend and colleague of the ResumeRx.com, who was last with us on episode 261 just over 40 episodes ago. And Amanda, we're going to talk about the Resume Rx and all the stuff you do and how you and I also collaborate sometimes because people need help and sometimes I need help too. Um, So let's pull the camera back first, my friend. Okay. So what's going on out there in the really big picture when it comes to applying for nursing jobs in 2021 and beyond? Well, it's it's been a funny uh, year or so. And what's happening is we're kind of getting back into the swing of things when it comes to hiring. Hiring was really disrupted for a while and still is in a lot of places because Mm -hmm. so many healthcare systems have been in flux. Either they rely heavily on elective surgeries and procedures, therefore they've had to lay off a lot of staff or the opposite. They've been really on the front lines of taking care of COVID-19 patients, in which case they can't hire quick enough. So it's been a really interesting um, several months, you know, going on a year in the hiring space because people want to know, how does this affect what I want to do? What do I have to change about my application process? How can I make sure that I'm doing the right thing? And it's not like any of us has really been through this before. So we've kind of been uh, adapting and, and trying to observe best practices as we go and, you know, just being adaptable the best we can. That's right. And it has been a weird year. We're recording this almost towards the end of November, 2020, and this is airing in January. So, you know, it's not quite a year since the pandemic began and you're right. Things have been in flux. So I have a client who just this past week, she landed her dream job as a breaking into the OR space as a surgical nurse. And she landed a job by, well, actually she did an application, you know, the online thing, but she actually literally 
went to the city where she wanted to work, rented an Airbnb, dressed up really nice, put on a mask, and went and visited the hospital she was interested in. And you know what she did? She hung out in the parking lot at change of shift and started talking to nurses as they left. And several talked to her for a long time, gave her their phone numbers and emails, introduced her to their hiring managers. And one of those conversations in the parking lot led to a conversation that led to a conversation that led to her being hired. So even in the midst of the pandemic, some people I know out there, some of my clients are doing guerrilla networking. Like that's true guerrilla networking. Yeah. However, at the same time, I hear from people who are sending out application after application. They feel like they're going into black holes, never to be seen again. And we're hearing more and more, and you and I have talked about this, about there's more and more bots. There's artificially intelligent software reading resumes to weed them out to see who even gets to speak to a human being, right? And so keywords are becoming even more important than they ever were before. And then we have this whole thing of applicant tracking systems, ATS. Mm. So where do we begin to break this down? Because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's good to start with kind of defining what the ATS is and Please. and how you might be able to expect artificial intelligence, which sounds so dystopian <laughs> to talk it is about dystopian. it. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's good to know how that can potentially play a factor in your job search and your application process. So ATS is the, I think, most commonly recognized acronym that's still a little, you know, people don't really know what it is. It stands for Applicant Tracking System. And it is essentially a software that either a hospital network or a large healthcare organization or even a a third-party job site might use as a way to filter different applications and different resumes in order to find the ones that are the best match for the specific position that's posted. So that's a really important thing to point out that it's not just this one size fits all software that takes all the resumes for all the positions and kind of spits out the best. It's really matching those positions or matching those resumes to specific job postings and finding the best matches for those positions and then passing those on to a human. Because the reality is that online job postings get a ton of applications and, you know, a a human can't possibly go through some of the volume that some job uh, postings receive. So it's only natural to turn to technology to say, okay, let's let's find the best 10% and then look at those and use that as our pool. So that's what the ATS is. And people get very frightened to think, oh gosh, I'm going to have to really stand out against a computer as opposed mm-hmm. to a human. Right. I have to contend with a robot. Right. right. Yeah. So thanks for defining what an ATS is. So if an ATS is software, and I'm assuming like if you and I had this conversation in 2025 or 2030, and maybe we will, maybe I'll be on episode like 900 by then. Um, <laughs> actually, it'd be much more than that. But if we had that conversation in 10 years, the AI is going to be so much more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And right now, I guess it's in, not its infancy, but maybe in its a toddlerhood. So it may not be 
perfect and there's probably flaws in these systems. So when someone wants to write a resume and you and I help people with their resumes and sometimes you actually consult with me on my more challenging resumes, let's say that. And I thank you for that. (laughs) So when someone's writing a resume and they're thinking, okay, this might go through an ATS. It may not be initially seen by a human being. What are we wanting to make sure we do with our resume so that it is part of that 10% that actually gets cherry-picked out in a good way? <laughs> right, exactly. So I think there are, um, there are three kind of best practices that I usually start with that can really optimize your resume for the ATS. And and before we get into those best practices, mm-hmm. the first step is really to make sure you have read and reread and printed and highlighted the job posting that you're planning to apply to. So I can't stress enough that if you are applying to different positions, your resume may look different for each position depending on how different those positions are uh, and how qualified you are for each. So so that's really the first step in making sure that you know what the hiring manager and therefore the ATS is even expecting out of their ideal applicant pool. Mm -hmm. So that's really kind of something that you definitely want to start with. Um, And then going into some tips, you know, the first tip is that you want to be qualified for the job that you're applying to, because even, you know, even the best resume can't make up for the fact that if you apply for a job where you don't meet at least the minimum qualifications, you're likely not going to get passed. So I think a lot of people come to me thinking, okay, where can I get an ATS optimized resume? As if it's kind of this one size fits all thing. But the reality is you must first really be qualified in order to optimize your resume for the ATS for a specific job posting. So I think that, you know, at least meeting the minimum qualifications, and then hopefully hitting about 50% of the preferred qualifications is a really good start to see, okay, am I actually qualified for this job? Do I have a chance of getting through that kind of first wave, so to speak? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And apparently you're reading my mail because (laughs) what I tell my clients is print out the actual position posting, get a highlighter, like go analog, go old school, and you Mm -hmm. highlight I say, first you go to the name of the position. You want to make sure you're, you're clear about what it is. Then you go to the absolute requirements, like the things you have to have in order to even be considered. And then, like you just said, you go to the preferred requirements or the preferred qualifications. And you say, okay, do I hit any of those? And if you miss any of the actual things that you absolutely have to have, then you might not want to waste a lot of time applying to that job. And what I also recommend is going to the, this is more for cover letters, but we'll get to that too, I think, I hope, is I say go to the website of the organization or facility and what's their mission statement? What's their value statement? Are they magnet? Are they not magnet? Do they just win an award? Is there anything in their use of language or anything that they value that maybe you should reflect in your resume and or your cover letter and in your interview when you talk to them and say, you know what, I'm really impressed by you winning such and such an award or having your fourth magnet designation in a row. So, but when we focus in on the resume then, you're right. If someone's applying for, let's say home health, but they're also applying for ambulatory surgery, 
they're going to have to use some slightly different language, right? Definitely. Definitely. And what I usually recommend is that you, when you're writing, if you're writing your own resume, Mm -hmm. draft your master resume, you know, and even save it, you know, with your name, master resume, and you can use the highlighter tool in your word processor, Mm -hmm. but make note of those areas that you know you're going to need to tweak to be more applicable to the job that you're applying to. And, And maybe that even means including some extra bullet points because you know that if you're applying for the home health job, you're going to take away some. And if you're applying for the surgery, ambulatory surgery, you're going to put some back in. So Mm -hmm. it can take a little bit of finesse and a little bit of time, especially if you're applying to a high volume of positions. But that little bit of time can, you know, really be a deal breaker on whether or not any of these applications are worth your time. Because if you're sending one resume to 50 different positions of all varying specialties just out of desperation, then you're likely not going to match to any one of them. Right. And if you're doing all home health or all ambulatory surgery, or you're, you're, you simply, not simply, but you're an OR nurse, like that's what you do, then it's a little simpler calculation because the resume can be relatively the same or almost exactly the same for different facilities. Even the cover letter has to then be more specialized and not cookie cutter. So with the ATS, we're talking about keywords, right? Yes. Yeah. So they're looking, they be meaning the nurses out there listening, right? They're going to be looking for the keywords of what's required, what's preferred, and what this job is all about, right? Exactly. Okay. And is there a place like people often ask me about, you know, should the keywords be loaded in the first part of the resume? Should they be spread throughout the resume? What do you say to questions like that? My understanding is that it doesn't make much of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you should put it in the most uh, applicable section. I think that's maybe even more important than, you know, where all the keywords go, because what the ATS is going to do is it's going to parse out the different sections and it's going to kind of automatically decide what your education is based on how it's reading the information under your title education, which is, you know, another point of trying to make those headers really clear. Like, don't be creative, put work Mm -hmm. experience, don't put, you know, professional achievements or something a little bit mm-hmm. more creative. You want to be very explicit because yeah. it's going to categorize those things in the appropriate places. So I think yeah. that's more important than, you know, where on the paper it should be. Right. I usually use professional experience or work experience. Um, mm-hmm. One of those two. And then education is education. And I know you and I both are fans of having a resume that doesn't just begin like education work experience. It actually has some sort of introduction or summary. I call it usually a professional summary. And you have templates that can put that in different types of arrangements, let's say. Because I always feel that, well, my contention has always been that if a human being is reading the resume, I always talk about it being kind of like the front page of a newspaper that you generally will read what's above the fold, like the top half yes. of the top page, first page first. So the, the what would they call it? The, um, the header up at the top, the masthead, 
is your name and your credentials and all that. And then the next section, like the professional summary with maybe some bulleted highlights of what you're really, really skilled at would be sort of like the top article on the front page of the newspaper. And a human eye is generally drawn there. So we also have to think that maybe a human being is actually going to look at your resume too. So when we don't just play to the ATS, we have to play to the human eye, right? Absolutely. I I totally agree. And I love a professional summary or profile or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it. I really, you know, I love the above the fold newspaper analogy. I like Mm -hmm. to say, you know, it's like an elevator pitch Mm -hmm. um, because if you, if you were able to have just 30 seconds with that person who's reading your resume, what, what would you want them to know in just 30 seconds of, of introducing yourself? So I, I think that that section is, is super important. And yeah, you know, the layout of the resume, you want to write it as if somebody is going to read it because hopefully someone eventually is if all goes in your favor. That would be awesome. Right. So let's talk about layout for a second. And many people who know the show know that I often mention that there's resume templates from the from the resume RX over at nursekeith.com under the resources section. Mm-hmm. So I say that a lot. And your templates are beautiful. And you and I have had a couple conversations by email about this issue. So when I write resumes, I'm not a designer in terms of like making all the like pretty sections on the left or the right in the columns. I do fairly linear, um, kind of old school resumes, but they're effective and you've, you've seen them and they're just very straightforward, right? So I've been reading a lot of articles about applicant tracking systems and bots and all that kind of stuff. And it is kind of dystopian, but it's just, it's what it is and it's not going to change, right? So I've read some that say, okay, so if you have like a, a box on the left-hand side, you know, that's kind of boxed in like a text box, I guess you'd call it, and you have information in that text box over in the left-hand column, some articles say that the ATS might treat that as an image and not words and won't recognize what's inside it. But you and I discussed this and you had a particular understanding of how to get around that. So can you explain how a a template like one of yours isn't going to get kicked out by an ATS? Sure. That is entirely true that if you were to submit a Word document or, you know, an Apple Pages document with Mm -hmm. text boxes, which is how I design my more visually appealing templates. If you were to submit it in its uh, kind of primary file format, Mm -hmm. you do risk that happening, that it missing the information that are it that's in those text boxes from my experience from my clients and my understanding from my reading the workaround for that is to save your resume as a pdf mm-hmm. uh, because what that ends up doing is a, a pdf is kind of like a document photograph in yeah. that it's preserved and captured in the way you see it on your screen yeah Port- um, portable so, document file i believe PDF. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and you'll notice, you know, if you send a PDF to um, 
you know, to your email or something and you and you open the preview of it on your mobile device, it looks the same. But if you were to do that with a Word document or a Google Doc, you may have noticed that when you try to preview it on your mobile device, it looks all funny. Looks terrible. Uh, and, and yeah. Right. And that's because it's really not compatible across devices. So choosing a file format like PDF is something that will not be altered across different devices, which is why it seems to be the most reliable format when uh, uploading files to an ATS application. I see. So the ATS, the bot or whatever we call it, the AI, when it's in a PDF form, it's not going to see that box in the way it would if it was a Word doc. And correct. in your experience, I know what what I'm thinking, but in your experience, do almost all online applications accept Word docs or PDFs? Hmm. Most do. Mm-hmm. Yes, in my experience. Um, and, you know, the the caveat is if you are really super, super concerned about columns and text boxes, that type of thing, then then use a more primal formatting and feel free to upload as a Word document. You know, use plain text, mm-hmm. no fancy fonts, no columns, anything, just, you know, a very straight linear format with no bells and whistles. Uh, and that should be fine too. And in my experience, most applicant options, most online applications will give you the option to upload a file and the file type usually can be either um, a Word document or a PDF. Right. And if someone out there, I mean, I use a MacBook, but I have Word for Mac on my MacBook and that's, I don't really use pages very often unless I have a client who really can't use Word docs. So I don't think many of these ATSs or online applications will accept a pages doc, which is the native um, word processing document on a Mac, right? So if, if someone is using pages, they definitely need to put, they, they definitely need a different format because it's not going to work, right? Yes, I agree. And I do the majority of my word processing and even my clients' um, documents I do in Google Docs, actually, Mm -hmm. which is cloud-based. And what I typically do and then recommend is to, rather than trying to send a link to a Google Doc on an application, it's much easier to simply save your document as a PDF to your computer and then upload that to your application. Yeah, I sometimes will do them on a Google Doc so that the client and I can work on it sometimes in real time while we're on the phone or on Zoom. And then I'll often download it to my computer as a Word doc. And then when we're all done, like when everything is finished and we think it's perfect, then we'll convert it to a PDF. And that'll be like the master file. And before we take a break, I just want to ask you, people often will ask me, how do I name my file so that when I upload it, it looks professional because you save it as something, right? So mine might often say something like um, Carlson, Keith, dash, resume, or something like that. Is there anything special we need to know about when we name our document so that when we upload it, it looks the way it's supposed to look? I think that it's important to make sure that your first and last name is in there. Uh, I usually name, my naming convention is usually either first name, last name, resume, and the year, Mm -hmm. or 
last name, first name. So I usually say mine as Amanda Guarneri resume 2020 or 2021, because that seems to be universally appropriate. I can find it easily on my own computer Mm -hmm. and then it looks professional and has the information needed on the other end. I haven't heard of any other um, tricks or best practices beyond including your your name. I haven't either, but I just wanted to ask just in case there was some new thing that came down that that you um that you'd heard about since we last were in communication. So we're going to take a really quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dig a little deeper and maybe talk about cover letters a little bit too while we're at it, because those can be uploaded into an ATS as well. And then we're going to talk about the Resume Rx and all the awesome stuff you do. Okay, so we'll be right back for the second half of episode 306 of The Nurse Keith Show. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit, so you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And welcome back to the second half of episode 306 of the Nurse Keith Show. We're here with very good friend of the pod, Amanda Guarnieri. Not Guarnier, it's Guarnieri. I just corrected myself off offline. And again, you can go back to episode 261 to hear Amanda's first appearance on the show. This is obviously episode 306, her second appearance on the show. And I can absolutely promise you with an ironclad uh, promise that this is not her last time on the show. So before the break, Amanda, we were talking about ATS and bots and keywords and how to name your file and saving it as a PDF instead of a Word doc and how pages with a Mac is not necessarily ATS and upload friendly. So we've covered a lot so far. So when people come to me and they're super, super anxious about this ATS thing, I've had a couple clients come to me and that's pretty much all they wanted to talk about because they'd read articles and heard so many warnings and caveats and people who were quite angst ridden over this whole thing. So you and I can unequivocally say it's not going away. So people need to just get used to it, right? So. Very true. 
What are the, some of the other things just along the way that you've learned without giving away any proprietary information that are sort of like your go-tos for a resume? What are some of the things like on your podcast, for instance, you might say, you have to do this, don't not do this? Yeah, so we already went over um, a couple of ATS-specific best practices before the break. So we talked about being qualified for the job and making sure you meet the minimum qualifications and most or at least half of the preferred. We talked about sending as a PDF if your resume includes any text boxes or fancy formatting. The PDF can really be kind of the workaround to not have to worry about that. Um, And another little trick, I guess, is to spell out your acronyms. So this is something that is commonly overlooked. But if you think about, um, let's compare to a search engine, and you are looking for something in a search engine, and you know it as an acronym, Mm -hmm. but the search engine knows it as the spelled out version, um, you are much likely, much more likely to find what you're looking for if you have what the search engine has in terms of the the content. So uh, I guess as an example, if the job application requires a BSN, but in the application or in the posting itself, it says, it doesn't say BSN, it says Bachelor of Science in Nursing. And then in the ATS keywords, it also says Bachelor of Science in Nursing. And you have put on your resume BSN and you didn't spell out Bachelor of Science in Nursing, there's a chance that you may not match for that qualification because the ATS one is looking for the spelled out version and you've only included the acronyms. So what I do as a pretty solid rule rule of thumb is I include both the acronym and the spelled out version. It doesn't usually take a lot more space and makes me sleep better at night. So (laughs) I'll spell out all the degrees. Um, I'll put RN and then a dash or a space or a line and then type out registered nurse. I'll put ACLS and then spell out advanced cardiac life support. And I do that for pretty much every acronym that is included on a resume. Mm -hmm. That's very good advice. Now, of course, in the letterhead at the very top, we're not going to put like Keith Carlson, comma, Bachelor of Science in Nursing, comma, Registered Nurse, comma. <laughs> so right. we have to use them there, obviously. And then down in the education section, where you put, you went to, I don't know, like I went to University of Massachusetts Amherst, right? And I can put graduated 2001, Bachelor of Science in Nursing. Right. So, like you said in the first half, we don't have to worry with the ATS about where the keywords are, whether they're on page one or page two. They just have to be there somewhere. Right. So, exactly. Now that I've mentioned numbers of pages, let's go <laughs> there. I know some of your templates are very well arranged for a one page resume. And People often come to me saying, you know, I don't want to have a resume more than one page because I've heard that that is going to be the death of my career. (laughs) And this is my opinion. And I think we talked about this on episode 261 is that I always tell people, okay, if you can tell a compelling story, keyword rich story that paints the complete picture of who you are as a professional on one page, go for it. Mm -hmm. If you need, say, a page and a half, but you scrunch it all into one page, 
that might work for an ATS because the ATS doesn't care about breathing room and white space. But once it gets to a human being, if that human being can't like make sense of it because everything's single spaced and there's no white space anywhere, it's not going to get very far with that human being. So how do you feel and what do you tell people when they say, I don't want to go over one page because I heard that I'll never get a job again? <laughs> yeah, so I do get this question a lot too. And and honestly, I'm in the same camp as you. I really mm-hmm. feel that as long as the information that you are including is valuable and mm-hmm. you're not stuffing it with kind of filler content that doesn't tell me anything about who you are as a person or as a nursing professional, um, then, you know, the page count doesn't really doesn't really matter. Take two pages if you if you need it and if you can fill it with all that valuable stuff. Um, you know, are there kind are there benchmarks? Sure. Are most new graduate RNs able to have a one-page resume? Yes. Generally. Unless they have generally, unless they have years of very valuable LPN or CNA or paramedic experience that tells more of the story. Exactly. You know, don't sacrifice that story for the sake of a single page because, mm-hmm. you know, that's uh, in the grand scheme of things, that is such a small piece of the puzzle. I much rather you make more impactful decisions than having a one versus a two page resume because uh, I think it's I think it's career folklore that <laughs> that it no is. one will read the second page. Like, will they? Are they more likely to read more on the first page than the second page? Sure, but it still tells if that second page completes your story, then you have to include it. Right. And that's why I always say that section above the fold on the first page, that first half of the page or third of the page with the professional summary and the highlights of all the things you're really good at, that's where the rubber hits the road. And you, and I always say like, it sounds a little violent, but it's like you want to hit them between the eyes with all the important stuff right away. Hit them over the head with it because you want them to see it right away and catch their attention. And then they're going to be like, oh, wow, this is interesting. And then they keep skimming more and reading a little more into your resume. Now, the ATS doesn't care how many pages there are, right? It doesn't really matter. The human being might if it's like eight pages, but... um, You know, recently I did a resume for a nursing executive. She was very, very accomplished. She'd been a nurse for 35 years. She had a number of publications to her name. She had, oh my gosh, she had done so much. So that resume was three pages because it was the only way we could tell her story because she was one of the most accomplished people I've worked with. And she was cool with it because she knew that she had so much under her belt. We took away all the, like we separated the wheat from the chaff and we, we honed down the language to keep it as streamlined as possible. And I often say like, when you're looking at resume length, for instance, if you're really thinking about that, I always say, look for orphan lines. Like if a line has one or two words in it and then the rest is blank, then figure out how to change that paragraph or sentence so there's no orphans because that's a waste of space. And if you have Mm -hmm. 10 lines that are little orphans with a couple words, that's a lot of space. That could be like a third of a page. And I also say that your use of articles like at, um, um, the, and an, and uh, can often be pulled out and it still sounds fine because you don't need those, the finery of 
English language often when making these sorts of descriptions. So rather you say an accomplished nurse, you just say accomplished nurse, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's, if you don't mind, if we could switch gears a little bit, we've, we've touched on resumes and maybe we'll have a couple more things to say before we wrap up. But when it comes to cover letters, for online applications, my understanding and my experience through my clients is that almost all online applications have a space where you can upload a cover letter. Usually it seems to be not required. Is that your take on it too? Yes, my my take on it is that in almost all cases, there's a space for it, though it's not always listed as a requirement. So in my opinion, that means that it's always an option. And I'm of the opinion to take the option, especially if it could enhance you as an applicant. So um, I think if you're given the option, even if it's not required, erring on the side of of caution and and providing more context of yourself is a good move. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're definitely reading my mail or listening to mm-hmm. my calls. I don't know. So I often say that, well, I always say the same thing because I don't feel like less is more in this particular situation. And I've had clients say, well, they didn't ask for a cover letter or they, they didn't say it was required. It didn't have an asterisk by it. So I decided not to bother. And I'm always like, well, do you think your resume can stand on its own? Or can your cover letter enhance your resume? And I always say, if a cover letter basically just regurgitates what's on the resume, it's really not enhancing it very much. But if it can really like pile on something super like relevant to the actual organization, for instance, that's a really important thing to do. So when you're advising on a cover letter, what's the what's the basic structure, first of all? I'm sure it's probably a lot like what I do, but how do you structure it? So I usually, um, in the first paragraph or so, I like to make it introductory, but really start with some sort of hook Uh, so that the reader keeps reading. So that's actually a really good place to put uh, either uh, an appropriate personal story or some sort of anecdote or some sort of relational statement or story that really gets the person reading thinking, okay, not only do I want to read more, but this sounds like someone who could potentially be telling me a good story of how they're suited uh, for the job. So that's usually how I like to start things off. Um, and in kind of the middle section or the second paragraph, I like to highlight relevant accomplishments and mm-hmm. achievements in in work history or if you're a new graduate in educational or volunteer history, something that uh, really tells a good uh, story beyond just I worked here from this date to this date, uh, and and what I like to say is that it's really easy to tell somebody why you're qualified, but if you can figure out a way to show them, even with words, it will be even more impactful. So, you know, another opportunity to um, tell a story, make it so that it's not kind of this stuffy regurgitation of of resume content, mm-hmm. and then 
in that third and final section, I like to kind of pull it all together and really show how the applicant, whether it's me or someone I'm writing for, really embodies the overall mission and value of the organization. And I like to end with a statement that really shows that the applicant is interested in being not just an employee, but a collaborator in the care Mm. of patients. Mm -hmm. Um, So saying something to the effect of, you know, I look forward to discussing how we can work together to achieve optimal outcomes for Mm -hmm. pediatric oncology patients or whatever it is. Like that says so much more than, you know, I look forward to hearing from you or if you want to discuss my candidacy, please give me a call. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a much more impactful statement when you when you say outwardly, hey, I'm looking together to I'm looking forward to being part of this team. Yes. The community. Uh, and, and being part of this community. Exactly. Yeah. Community team. Family is a little a little touchy feely, but I like community or team. And I often like to end in that that last paragraph with something like, you know, I look forward to discussing the intersection of my blank blank skills with the needs of your organization or something. And mm-hmm. I often will address something special about the organization in the opening paragraph or the second paragraph to show them that the candidate did their homework. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I, I was so impressed when I read the mission. And oftentimes I'll have a client actually pull a quote from the mission statement and actually put it in quotes and italics in the first paragraph to say like, wow, okay, so this person actually like went to our website, learned about us, and is actually telling us that they're aligned. And of course, there's a little bit of pandering involved, right? You got to pander. But sure. It's a lot more effective than just saying, please accept my application for such and such a position. And when it comes to the ATS, so let's circle back to the ATS now, now that we've talked a little about a cover letter and how you and I both feel it's important to have a cover letter. Is the ATS going to, what's the right word? Is it going to give the same weight to the keywords in the cover letter as the resume? Or do you feel or have you heard that there's a difference between the two within these sorts of um, software systems? Yeah, so uh, admittedly, I don't know as much about how the HTS treats the cover letter, but my understanding, <laughs> <laughs> my understanding is that it doesn't read it in the same way that it reads the resume, meaning the score that the ATS is going to assign is is based solely on the resume. And, and my understanding is in most cases, the cover letter is actually what ends up being read by a human. Like it's not actually put mm-hmm. through uh, the ATS. So I think you know, hedge your bets that you're going to get through and that someone's going to read it, uh, going to actually, a human's going to see your application uh, and what a pleasant surprise it will be when they don't just see, you know, ATS has recommended this resume, you know, whatever percent, but they actually have a story to read to accompany that data that the ATS is giving them. Mm -hmm. So you just circled back to the early part of our conversation, which is about how we we are writing and submitting with the thought that this is going to be read by a piece of software, artificially intelligent software, that will get more intelligent as the days go by and the years go by, right? However, we also are of the mind that 
if yours gets picked out of the bunch and scooted into some process where a person actually looks at it, we need to also consider a human being and their eyes and brain and heart and mind assessing who you are as a candidate, right? Yes, definitely. Because when it comes down to it, I mean, so many things are getting automated. I mean, we know as nurses that a lot of parts of patient care get automated. And that can also feel impersonal. A lot of nurses do complain about the fact that they're they're on the EMR all the time or they're on the laptop all the time in the room with the patient or whatever. You know, and and we push back against that depersonalization of nursing and healthcare. And it's par for the course of technology, right? And technology helps us too. We we know it does. We can't deny it. So when it comes to this, you know, you, you have to consider both sides of that equation. And my hope, sincerely, is that that equation won't ever change, that there will always be eventually somebody looking at your resume and cover letter. And maybe when you and I talk in 2030, when I'm old and decrepit, um, maybe <laughs> humans won't be reading them anymore. Um, but we, we have to consider they are or will be. And I wanted to ask you another question. A friend slash colleague of mine here in the U.S. was applying for several positions. And one of the first things that happened was that she received, it was either an email or a text. And she didn't realize at first that this was actually a pre-screening interview with a bot and that she had to reply with the right information in order to actually make it to the screening interview. So now that we've, you know, talked about dystopia in these last few minutes, <laughs> let's go even further then. What do you know and understand? And if you've been reading my mail, it'll probably be what I know and understand about this particular process. Yeah. So I think you may be talking about uh, AI or ATS screened interviews. Yes. Right. Is that where? Yeah. So yes. And sometimes it's by text and sometimes it seems to be by email. So I have actually had several clients who have experienced video, one way video interviews. One way so, video interviews. Yes. So Please that explain. has been. <laughs> so this, this is, I only saw it start to happen since March of 2020. So this Mm -hmm. seemed to be kind of a a post-COVID adaptation. Okay. And you can kind of understand understand why other industries are doing this commonly, like tech industry. So the idea is after... So maybe the ATS resume screening is lighter, meaning they don't have... They don't filter out 90% and recommend the top 10%. Maybe they filter the top 50 Mm-hmm. And the top 50% make it to the on-demand one-way screening interview, mm-hmm. which is uh, essentially done on your own time. And you're given a unique link and you're given instructions in your email that says, you know, be prepared uh, to answer the questions, you know, that your video will turn on, yada, yada. And so you click in and there is uh, a question it gives you some prompts, but essentially you're given a question on your screen in text, and then you're given a set of time where you click record and you get a one-shot 
opportunity to record your video response. Wow. And you yes. don't get a chance to like say, oh, that was terrible. I can, I'm going to hit redo. Probably not. I don't know if, I, I imagine that some of the softwares maybe give you one option to redo, but the maybe. few clients I spoke with, it was, you, you, you got one shot and when the timer ran out, it was on to the next wow. question. That's pretty amazing. And have you also heard about this thing where you get a little screener via text? Like they send you a text with not. a question. Yeah. And then you respond and then it asks you another question. So I've heard of that happening just a couple times. The one-way video interview is, is kind of chilling. It sort of brings me back to like, if you've ever seen 2001, A Space Odyssey, when, when the astronaut's talking to Hal, the computer, you know, and right. said, I don't want to do that, Rob, you know, and, <laughs> and, and eventually we'll probably have interviews conducted by AI where it actually speaks with you and mm -hmm. maybe even responds based on what you say. So people have to be prepared for all eventualities now, don't they? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a brave new world, like I said at the top, and it's not going away. So we need to just stay on top of it. But also what I tell my clients basically is not to panic. Don't panic, right? Because I agree. you can only do what you can do as a human being and you're not a machine. And you just, you tell your story as best you can, taking the advice of people like Amanda Guarneri and then you just go on your merry way and keep doing your thing. And maybe you're actually going to go to a, a, a hospital like my client did just two weeks ago. And she hung out in the parking lot, true story, crossed my heart with a mask on, waited for change of shift and just basically stalked a couple of nurses and actually made a couple of friends. So, you know, I, <laughs> I love that story. And, you know, I think that you bring up a good point because, you know, we focus a lot on, the resume, the resume, yeah. the resume and yeah. ATS and all this stuff. And, you know, if we can just zoom out a little bit and, and acknowledge the fact that yes, your resume is important, but it's not everything. And there are other parts of your job search strategy, like who you're connecting with, you mm -hmm. know, who you're meeting in the parking lot, who mm -hmm. you're networking with on LinkedIn or in your mm -hmm. professional organizations or at your clinical sites. Like there are so many other touch points yeah. that can be so much more impactful than your resume that I don't want anyone to lose sight of that bigger picture. Because yeah, if you are focused on sending out hundreds and hundreds of online applications, you're going to miss potentially an opportunity that maybe isn't posted online or is, mm -hmm. you know, a word of mouth referral That's or, right. you know, someone who's retiring and you, you, you get a chance to, to meet the hiring manager before they even post the job. That's the best mm -hmm. case scenario, in my opinion. That's right. Or a recruiter on LinkedIn who just kind of like... Mm -hmm picks you out of the crowd and is like, hey, let's have a conversation. And then it just goes from there. So yeah, it can't be one size fits all anything anymore. And I always say that if you're only doing online applications and just sitting back waiting to, to hear from, from organizations, then you're, you're hobbling yourself and leaving money and opportunity on the table. So Amanda, you're so amazing. You went you went to this little school called the Yale School of Nursing and you graduated in 2011, so 10 years ago. And mm -hmm. you have three girls, right? Three, do, yes. three children. And you've been doing the Resume Rx for how many years now? Uh, since summer of 2018. 
2018. And you do an amazing job because I know that you helped me with some resumes. And that's why your templates are linked on my website, shameless plug. And people can find you at theresumerx.com. And then on Facebook and Instagram, it's the Resume RX, right? Correct. And yes. Twitter too? Not really on Twitter. Not really on Twitter. I'm a, lur- I'm a lurker. I, I observe. I don't participate. I thought you were going to say you're allergic to Twitter, but that's very <laughs> that similar. <too. laughs> and you're on LinkedIn and we'll have your link oh, yes. to your LinkedIn. And people should connect with you and send you a personalized invitation that yes, they heard please. you on the Nurse Keith show, right? Okay. So Amanda, you're amazing. We'll, you'll be back this year, you know, because there's always more to talk about. And I appreciate you so much. You're, I consider you a friend and a colleague Thank and just you. an amazing thought leader out there. And, and a woman business owner who's just like doing amazing stuff out in the world. So thanks for gracing the airwaves of the Nurse Keith Show again. <laughs> My pleasure. Anytime. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this awesome episode of the Nurse Keith Show. And remember, you want to read all about Amanda at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 306. I hope you have uplifted and empowered and informed by this episode because Amanda and I both want you to find the job that you want or jobs and create the career that you've always wanted. And speaking of jobs, there are job listings at nursekeith.com from Reload, Trusted Health, Incredible Health, ZipRecruiter. And you know what? Under resources, there are these awesome resume templates from this this woman over at the resumerx.com. So you can find them over there too. And please note that the Nurse Keith Show is a member of Ars Longa Media, a collaboration of network of podcasts and media entities dedicated to professional education and partnering to improve social ills. That's at arslonga.media, Ars Longa Media. The Nurse Keith Show is also a proud member of the Health Podcast Network alongside Dr. Sanjay Gupta, the New England Journal of Medicine, the podcast from the Journal of the American Medical Association, and so many others. It's one of the largest and fastest growing collections of authoritative, high-quality podcasts out there. So please check out the healthpodcastnetwork.com. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, and Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. I am supremely always grateful to Rob and Mark for keeping the wheels turning in the right direction. Be well, dig deep. Don't worry too much about applicant tracking systems. Seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from Chile, but beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And Amanda Guarnieri bidding you adieu from? Alpine, New Jersey. Alpine, New Jersey, the state of my birth, actually. New Jersey. (laughs) Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, everyone. And we'll catch you on the flip side. (laughs) 